happy 100th episode, Taurus Riders. Um, before we get started on this awesome interview we did with Brett Payne from Street Fight Radio, I wanted to have a little bit of shameless self-promotion. Um, I'm getting back out there and doing a little bit of music here in Dallas. Um, so this comes out Friday, May 6th. So in six days, Thursday, May 12th. Um, got a group of dudes together and we're working on a little music project where we're covering all of Nirvana's incesticide, um, front to back on Thursday, May 12th at three links here in Dallas in deep Ellum. Uh, doors are at seven. Music is at eight. Um, it'd be great if any of you or all of you came out, uh, love to meet some of your beautiful faces and, uh, just enjoy some of the better, grungier, um, more offbeat side of Nirvana that probably a lot of people haven't listened to in a long time. So come out. Sorry, sorry I wasted your time with this promotion. Goodbye. What's never ending to find the beginning that came before everything? Like kids with Dakotas discover the I think the the writing the Taurus uh, promise is that uh, we would have a big guest with us every hundred episodes. Um, <laughs> this being episode one hundred, uh, we would like to welcome Brett Payne to the podcast from uh, Street Fight Radio. How you doing, Brett? Doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, uh, I think we we only connected on uh, Twitter because you were willing to uh, join guest podcasts. And I think I jumped at the opportunity. Um, and this is, or I asked you like, uh, if you had any topics you wanted to cover science related, cause that's what we typically do. Um, and you said quantum mechanics is kind of a, a field of interest, right? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, I, I put out the uh, the re the request for guest appearances because uh, I know I always end up doing my street fight thing every week. I always like to talk about different topics. Um, I used to kind of be sciencey in just that um, like independent type way, like not in a go to school way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I was in my early twenties, um, I got into a lot of new agey stuff and uh, a lot of psychedelics. And then that became like um, reading those books like uh, The Elegant Universe mm -hmm. by uh, Brian Greene. Yes. Um, talks about a lot of quantum quantum stuff in with like uh, itchy and scratchy references and like X-Files examples. And uh, it was kind of a pop science type thing. Um, you know, so I was into that. I would read about like thermodynamics and stuff. Uh, and then there was even a really popular movie called what the bleep do we know yes and that was like the best one ever i would always show it to people um <laughs> it's like a woman going throughout her day just like shit happens you know they like they just stop and then they animate like everything atomically and explain you know all these different principles and how things work and it's uh it's incredible it's really good um you know, a lot of it is like it's kind of watching like uh, UFO people where they are kind of exaggerating a little bit, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on exactly the certainty of it all, I guess. But um, yeah, it's a really fun topic for me to think about. Yeah, my, my favorite example from that film is the is the basketball example where they talk about the uh, electromagnetic uh, power of of electrons and particles and when you're dribbling a basketball you're never actually touching the basketball and the basketball never actually touches the court there's just this squeezing of forces between your hand and the ball and then it repels back down to the ground and that was one of the things because god that movie has to be like maybe 16 17 years ago now 
maybe even yeah. 20 years ago now. But yeah, yeah I remember uh, that was one of the big uh, like, oh, my God, type of moments that I that I had when yeah. I was young uh, in my early 20s, too. And, you know, uh, this very similar similar to you but the you start reading about it um like i came from a very rigid fundamentalist christian growing up background <laughs> so reading about all this stuff was a lot of uh uh awakenings for me and i had like a existential crisis <laughs> kind of kind yeah. of kind of thing that that went along with it but i it, it was like a a necessary jolt to my system yeah, I was, um, I don't know, I kind of felt it was like a unification of a lot of things where then like you could talk to Christians and pe like religious people in a way that sounds a little bit myster more mysterious than mm -hmm. just saying like, nothing fucking happens and it's all empty and we're all alone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Pop off on like, you know, a little bit of the, uh, the, the things behind it. But there, it seemed like there was a moment there. I don't know. It sucks that we lost it, that people were kind of really into it. Like Butterfly Effect, that movie was yeah, also yeah. really popular. And uh, there was a lot of just, uh, I felt like there more at the time it was kind of a little bit of a wave, or maybe in my life, but it seemed like people were really intrigued by it. Higgs boson and yes. particle accelerators and all that stuff. Yeah, I think CERN coming online had a lot to do with that. And like before CERN, like here in Texas, we had... Um a huge super collider that was being built just outside of Dallas. And it was like a big thing in the early nineties. And then, um, all the funding, federal funding got pulled from it, like halfway through its construction. So we just have this big, like half built <laughs> super collider out in the, out in the desert in Texas that, uh, never did anything, but then CERN got built. And I think that turned a lot of people on, but, um, I think it goes with the ebbs and flows of the system. Like CERN has been turned off for almost four years as they've been like upgrading all of the power control systems to slam things together at even more high velocities. And, and they're just now turning it back on after having it all turned off to upgrade it. So hopefully we'll get some, uh, get some new fun physics discoveries. Maybe they'll find supersymmetry is real or we'll all get back on string theory again or whatever it is. But, you know, it, it, I, it's, I think we're about to get into that time again where it's going to become, like, so present in, in uh, the public consciousness that we're going to see a lot more movies and al music albums and shit written about it. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those things that it can capture, like, imaginations and stuff because it's so out there. Um, but getting like into the actual science and stuff, which I feel like recently it's, it's, you know, stuff has been going on in the field, but it's just so heavy that you just get to a point where you almost need like a big discovery to make, you know, people go, oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> All of this now makes sense again. Right. Instead of talking about chasing the milestone, like once you hit the milestone and you say, okay, this is what we did, it makes it easier. Yeah, yeah, and the I think everything around surrounding quantum mechanics has always been contentious, especially in the scientific field. And it's one of those things where when you look at other aspects of society, um, you know, like we talk about, you know, a lot of uh, social issues and other things on, on our show like you guys do. But um, like how there's so much gatekeeping in science, especially when it came to quantum mechanics and how like the the uh to have the balls to challenge general relativity and einstein was was a huge thing and then once that was overcame by like uh niels bohr like he was such a egomaniac that being considered the father of quantum mechanics made it such that he almost had like a disciples of jesus type of following to where no one would want to like challenge his ideas either and anyone who did was kind of like your your dissertation or your paper got stuffed in the basement of the college like we're not gonna even consider this a thing because it might challenge the uh the the religious doctrine that we've developed around this theory and then you had stuff um like with bohm here in america like he's He's on his way to really explaining a whole lot of things that help understand um, how uh, coherence works 
And then he's like run out of the country because of McCarthyism. <laughs> so you have like all of these different things that happen between like the 1920s and the 1960s. All of those cultural changes that were happening all around the world are also directly influenced by quantum mechanics and then also heavily influenced how quantum mechanics was absorbed by the world and like who got to talk about it and who was who the knowledge became available to and all that type of stuff. So, yeah. So Bohr's was just trying to be the new Einstein. He wanted people to start saying this guy's a real Bohr's instead <laughs> yeah. of like <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is with uh, those big time scientists. I guess it gets to you because it's such a like so demanding to get there. But um, I heard a story that uh, so I like studied biology in college and my biology professor once brought in like one of the guys that discovered DNA, uh, I think it was Watson. It was like a two-person team, Watson and Crick. And he brought Watson in to talk to his class of like freshmen who are all interested in, you know, biology. Probably 90% say they're going to become a doctor and, you know, 2% actually did, but still very interested in it. And uh, one of the students asked, you know, what's it like to to have such a major discovery in your life and, you know, have all of your work finally reveal like, you know, something that's meaningful. And his answer to this uh, freshman kid, like 18 years old, was just, you'll never come close to discovering thing, anything as great as I've discovered. So you don't even need to try. <laughs> it's just like, what? what's the deal? <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, the Ubermensch um, um, ideals of science <laughs> really, really get really go to people's heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is just a matter of like, it's a very specific world of understanding, um, and then people kind of take it to the end where it's like, well, I study everything. I can study anything very deeply, mm -hmm. you know. And it's like you're not doing too good on your relationships to other people. It, you know, it seems like you're treating yeah. people like a dick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that is the other thing. Uh, the 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 definite scientific psychological trait of having uh, either personality disorders or or massive depression or you're bipolar or you know, it's 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 very rare where you have like, oh yeah, this scientist was just just very level-headed, a compassionate person. He, you know, got along great with all his friends and family. People just wanted to have him over for barbecues all the time. Like, that guy is never <laughs> like the physicist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so I think, Josh, you have, like, the best way to get into, like, how quantum mechanics even started. Because um, it's such a, like, all of this stuff has happened over the last 120 years. Um, and... I don't know. It's it's weird to imagine too. Like I like to always kind of contextualize discoveries in science and stuff with whatever's going on in society at the time. And uh it feels like strangely similar times <laughs> to back then cuz it a lot of the discoveries happened like in the 30s and stuff and one of the people who was uh key in discovering something in quantum mechanics um, was never mentioned uh, in any of the like reporting, didn't win the Nobel Prize for it uh, because he joined the stormtroopers and got mm -hmm. really into the Nazis. <laughs> so <laughs> you have like all of these discoveries occurring during times of, I don't know, social weirdness. Well, yeah, you kind of have to have World War One happen and then you have Germany completely reconstruct from the ashes and then focus a whole lot on education and science and pour all of their resources into like technology. And then you actually have like universities that pop up there where people are having these big science debates and conversations and people from all over the world go there to have those talks. Um, it's kind of why you get a lot of German physicists from that era too. Um, but then, you know, once Hitler comes to power, then you have a bunch of them flee and then a few of them become like, super soldiers in the army um but the uh <clears throat> the I, I think the real thing for me with quantum mechanics is, uh, is it all comes to intuition um and like even if you go back to like N newtonian physics 
like when Newton was proposing the laws of motion, which seems so intuitive to us now, like, you know what a ball is going to do when you throw the ball, like it's going to go up in the air and come back down. That doesn't seem weird at all to us. But in his time, that wasn't intuitive. Like when you propose that the earth is a thing that's moving around a star going really fast, everyone's like, that can't be possible. I would fly right off that thing. <laughs> I don't have anything strapping me down to this. I can't even imagine that. Um, but now for us, that's like, of course, that makes uh, it, the, the principles of Newtonian physics require that if you are on a thing moving very fast, it will feel like you're not moving at all. Um and we all just accept that now. Um, and I think the same thing is with quantum mechanics is that it has no sort of intuitive base in your subjective experience as a human being. Um, unless you really start to look at it. Yeah, it, I mean, it is way easier. Like humans can sit and watch someone throw a football and say X amount of force is applied at this angle and it's going to end up in this place. But when you're talking about like, we're all, we're all like 98% made of nothing and, and start yeah. getting into uh, quantum states where like nothing exists if it's not being perceived and shit like that, very, way different thing to understand. <laughs> right, exactly. And, but I, I would say that with the, Everett interpretation in the fifties. And then later, like the book, the big book that we reread and covered here on the podcast that got us into quantum mechanics almost two years ago now is, uh, something deeply hidden by professor Sean Carroll from Caltech. And, um, I would say that that makes, or at least those interpretations make it, um, much more intuitive of an experience because you're not, stuck in the paradox of uh the cat is alive and dead at the same time inside of the schrodinger's box and you're not stuck with oh these particles must be communicating at faster than light speeds and that's a paradox and um uh, you know am i existing and not existing if someone's not looking at me <laughs> and it takes away the i think that was the big hang-up in the beginning or the first like 40 years of the theory was um, it was hard for people, it, scientists especially, to think of themselves as not some sort of objective observer of a measurement. And so sure. they really took it to heart that the thing I'm doing by looking at this changes the system. I'm like some special creature that my consciousness changes the reality of what's inside this box if I open the box and look at it. <laughs> um, and... Uh, that's when Hugh Everett came along and was basically like, yeah, like that's superpositions are real, but you're not collapsing them with your mind by looking at something. Um, right. It just the wave function exists as the universe. And then every time a quantum moment happens, then that wave function splits. And then there's another branch of the universe. So you have multiverse, these many worlds just infinitely happening all the time. Yeah, the. I think the my favorite like line that I took I can't remember if it was from the book or not but it's just instead of observing and then making a theory based off of like what you observe they started to make a theory and then started to put together what would the world look like if that was how things operated and I think that's kind of how you get to the um the many worlds theory that the universe splits every time there's a quantum event. And uh, on top of that, you, your own body has 5,000 atoms that are um, decaying every second. So the universe is splitting for your body alone 5,000 times a second. Is it, it doesn't make intuitive sense at all, but that's just following like the, the theory. And then that's actually what the world would look like. It's like, uh, you know, just following your own intuition of the theory rather than like, that doesn't make sense because there's only one of me. Yeah. I don't know. It, I like, it's, it's a very philosophical kind of way to look at things. I think it, it always helps me feel like there's way more connection <laughs> between people and stuff. Um, well, the other one, oh, I, I just remember my favorite of all time. I was talking about those early movies. The the, the pinnacle of it is I Heart Huckabees. Yes. Um, 
where they're like existential detectives and they do that thing where they're like, it's the blanket. Everything's the blanket, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're the blanket. I'm the blanket. Just is all the same thing. Uh, it is, it is in a way, uh, it is neat and interesting to think about, but yeah, you do kind of, um, to imagine that like this all started because of a spark like billions of years ago. I mean, it has to be some freaky shit. I, I, I think I'm, (laughs) I think I'm just more willing to think it's not like just meat grows into thinking peep things, you know, like where is the, what is the meat made of? Like where, what is all of this that makes up everything? And uh, I, I can't, I don't, you know, I can't imagine even, the human brain even getting close to understanding i don't know if the thing made from it can understand itself right like you said the observer am i am like am i an observer or am i just like a bunch of decaying atoms splitting over and over again and moving in the way that they will you know like and i'm applying a narrative i write i apply the narrative to it you know exactly how, how, how in control am i of everything it is super philosophical that's why i like it yeah the the determinism aspect of it and the going from the total uncertainty of quantum mechanics being like, oh, we can't have determinism of anything because we don't know where anything is to now being like, well, if there's many worlds, if you could have enough information of all the smallest particles in every quantum system, you could then predict all of the branches of the wave function every time it branches. So it is Mm -hmm. deterministic, but your subjective experience is such that I'm just on the one, my timeline, I, you know, right. and I only know my timeline when I become aware of my timeline. I don't get to like say, mm, I'm going to make this choice because the me and the other timeline, then that'll benefit him. That's the, that's the thing you, that really fucks me up is like, should I be making choices now that would benefit me in another world because that would make his life better or is that guy over there fucking me over by making choices that are putting me in the in the disadvantaged position here? yeah did they did they elbow me out of like the successful life that right. i wanted it's just a meeting of the joshes somewhere yeah yeah where, where, where do we all yeah where's our our rick and morty type of place where it's just all me and i get to talk to all versions of myself and we get to decide who's who gets to be the supreme josh and who gets to be like the shit eater josh like where 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 do i fall, fall in the hierarchy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it i mean brett like to your point the the way of just imagining that all of this started from one spark is is so wild but it does seem to make more sense that like all of the stuff is determined like the molecules moving in my brain to make me say this exact sentence all you know started at the big bang (laughs) just those particles moving from that point forward resulted in like you know this thought happening um but then you start to lose like the well what aspects of it you know, do I actually have any say in? So it is, it's, it's a funky one to like, I don't know, play around with because you're like, well, I guess if all of this stuff like doesn't matter, then that also means all of it does matter because all of it is, that's all that there is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't, I have, uh, this is extremely unscientific, um but uh i mean i have this method of i i I follow my intuition uh if i'm thinking about a song in my head and i hear it in a in a store or on the radio or somewhere not like the biggest pop hit of the summer a weird song that's just i woke up in my mind and it Mm -hmm. somehow comes i always feel like i'm moving in the good path i always for some reason (laughs) like there's some synchronous synchronicity type event or so a number comes up something lines up where I'm just like, I, and, and it's always at a time when I am, uh, do I, when I feel like I'm improving myself or maybe working towards, you know, fixing my problems and shit. I don't know. Or feeling more motivated. It's also probably just personality disorder, but who knows? Yeah. That, that's, that's the, the, the other thing is the, like, you know, uh, both Eric and I have talked a lot about our different uh, brain chemistry deficiencies (laughs) and like and like I I take a lot you know different medications to boost my serotonin and dopamine and things like that but you that goes back to sort of the deterministic nature of it all of like then 
Like I didn't choose to have a personality disorder. <laughs> like I didn't choose any of these things. So then does any of us choose any of it? And so I, I think that's the big, uh, the big existential question that, uh, quantum mechanics in many worlds really presents from a philosophical point of view is basically does free will exist? And I, from my sort of reading and understanding, especially of, uh, the many worlds Everett interpretation, I think it's totally deterministic and we're kind of just along the ride and we don't really have much say and the free will thing is just an illusion. Yeah, it's, uh, that's not an easy one to come, <laughs> come to terms with, but, um, whenever you have like those moments of like serendipity of something happening in life, then it does feel, I don't know, it feels like stuff clicks. And I think it's okay to feel like good about the way that things are going. I think that's kind of the the aspect that people um, start to lose sight of whenever you say like, it's all deterministic and there's not free will. It's like, well, then that means that anytime you're like having a good time or whatever is is still okay <laughs> like you don't need to feel like that's meaningless you know yeah it, yeah i agree um it is it is hard to swallow but um also it is kind of freeing in a way um and and i don't know if that changes the timeline or anything but to to be like <laughs> uh i can choose my reaction you know like uh i'm in a low time like it's taken over mm -hmm. i didn't choose it i didn't want it to be like this uh but you know uh it's easier to ride out um, if you know, it's going to go away eventually, you know, if you've, if you've been through this math equation before, <laughs> you know how they right, play right. out. <laughs> well, that, we, yeah. we talk about that a lot. Like our, our brains are just prediction machines and they're problem solving machines. And, um, so, you know, they've evolved for certain, for, for certain capabilities and, uh, it's gotten a lot harder in especially like the last 2000 years for us to really fathom all of the problems and conundrums and paradoxes and things that we encounter. Cause it was used to be just a lot easier. You just like, Oh yeah, that's God's will. Or, Oh yeah, I, I sacrificed this thing. And then the rain came. So it all made sense. It was, <laughs> it, that made, that was enough to, to satisfy your curious mind for why stuff was happening. <laughs> and, um, now it's just, uh, I think there's just such an overstimulation of things that the brain, our, our minds are just working overtime to try to make sense of all the things that are going on because that's the only modality that they operate on. Like that's the reason that it developed the way that it did was to solve these problems. And if we don't have enough information, we just use our intuition and to kind of guess at what the possible answer could be enough to like satiate that desire but eventually there's so much information that the uncertainty takes over and we can't like you either have to be willing to continue to dig down the hole of information to solve that that scratch that itch or you have to be willing to just be like okay this is the moment where i just i'm turning my brain off like i'm not going to learn anything more i learned enough and whatever happens from now on is just going to be the way that i think that it is and um I don't know. I don't know. That's that's another sort of just tough um, personal thing um, for me, especially with like my parents and other things like that. Just like the uh, the moment of at what point am I going to become old and willfully ignorant about stuff because it's just too much for me to deal with anymore. And I fear that moment happening. I don't want that moment to get here because like I kind of like the uh, the curious nature of it all right now. And I don't want to become cynical and and a jerk about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, I definitely, the, the brain degrades. Um, I mean, some, there are people that make it out, you know, and you, you meet plenty of cool old people, but yeah, I think that the tendency for people to not want to train their brain, you know, it kind of, uh, takes hold earlier. Um, yeah, I also think there's like, uh, with like, uh, just society and, the where we're at now with the way that we treat like uh, our tech bro billionaire guys, like you know Steve Jobs trying to hack his cancer by just using fruit to defeat it. Here's my it. carrot juice. It worked, right? <laughs> yeah, and and there, I think that I think it. I kind of with the internet and now with social media, and now there is an app and there is information and there is an answer for every problem you have in your life, like mm -hmm. every single. You sleep, you only sleep 6.75 hours a night. There's an app for that. You sleep 
8.5 is like so everything's so granular um and it's all like we figured everything out um you it's just like recipes you just figure you just solve your life that way um and and there isn't a lot of mystery left like it is you know we don't get to sit around and be like can you believe we're just like flying around on like a, a spaceship called earth you know right now that, yeah that we've lost a lot of the like gee whiz wow uh and it's just become a lot like this is what it is just every day you know just like the same shit every day <laughs> um and we're gonna grind ourselves <clears throat> to oblivion you know mm-hmm. yeah personally i've like uh I don't know, whenever I've felt like things are just moving too fast, and I think this goes into the just like training your brain uh, aspect, I start to just try to pay attention to, I don't know, I think people would just call it like being present or whatever, but just paying attention to whatever it is that I'm doing or whatever is happening around me. And then you get like that sense of control because you're like, oh, time moves slower whenever I'm like, paying attention to where I'm driving instead of just, you know, like I hate the feeling of getting somewhere and just being like, I don't even remember getting in the car. Like I'm just (laughs) at the store now. How how many, how many (laughs) children did I run over on the way here? Who could tell? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. But see, but that's like an ancient solution that like, that's like a Buddhist thing of just like Mm -hmm. paying attention to your breath and drawing your breath. And it kind of brings you into the moment and observing and, the change, the changes, and like it does feel like you can kind of grab on to that, grab on to everything, and tell it to slow down a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've yeah, talked it's... a lot of times about how we're kind of accidental Buddhists in a lot of ways when we when we start to think about consciousness and all those things. We we stumble accidentally into these into these Buddhist methodologies. Yeah, that was a big one for me too. I mean, one of my favorite things was just like, don't worry. He says like, don't worry about getting an answer on where the where the universe came from. Like, you're just there's not there's not going to be a book written about. There's not going to be no one's going to be able to put on a chalkboard and tell you how it all came to be. It's just here, and you're here now. So, <laughs> like, like just get wise quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's also a Buddhist thing or not, but like, uh, our brains are. S- are made for determining patterns and like, you know, on the Savannah that was extremely useful because you could tell the change in the grasses meant that there was like a predator approaching or something. But now there's so much stuff that it's easy whenever you have like a, you know, something going on in your brain chemistry that you start to feel down and then your brain immediately starts picking up like, all of the patterns that can exacerbate that and make you feel down. Um, so it is, you know, it's not a solution for those things because we have, we have modern issues, but it is nice sometimes when you can like neutralize yourself and then be like, okay, I'm only going to, I'm going to like internalize every positive pattern I see and, you know, start to feel more in control or better about a situation or whatever you know yeah but it, it also it's like yeah it's like it's, it's just more like saying to yourself oh no i'm about to get deterministic <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to believe everything is bad and it's all wrong you know uh but i can yeah redirect that into a better deterministic way <laughs> the happy one <laughs> right and like all of these things that are evolutionary baggage for us in some ways in a, in a modern society it's also like the stuff that makes people believe in conspiracy theories and see the boogeyman that's not really there and you know think JFK Jr is still alive and all all of that stuff is from those same pattern recognition parts of the brain that you got that if like your your brain will go into overdrive when it's gets certain types of information and you will see the patterns you will see the patterns even if they're not there <laughs> mm-hmm. um i don't i mean as far as like quantum mechanics goes i think the the best way to like start to wrap those things together is just the many worlds like uh theory like the the guy himself was also i don't know just totally disconnected from his family like he was he's he was super smart in coming up with this theory but he like what was it he 
I mean, he drank himself to death pretty much at the age of 51. Yeah, it, it was a, it was um, a slow controlled suicide due to major chemical depression. And but he was like convinced that because of his many worlds theory, there's another version of him out there that's like the best father to his kids. And <laughs> so then he was like totally fine with it, which is a, you know, not necessarily the way that like many worlds works. You don't get to just teleport to that timeline. Uh, but it's, I don't know. It's a, it's one that like you can feel like, okay, well, since I'm living this reality, then I'm in control of this one. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Did, did you see the everything everywhere all at once? Not yet. Haven't. Yeah. Cause it, it, it deals with this as well. Um, but it's treated more in an aspect of like, what would happen? Like if I never went to college, if I never took that job, if I never dated that person, um, it kind of shows like the things that you would focus on to, to, uh, you know, get out of those situations or the changes that would happen and create like a whole different life for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, I think, um, I, I <laughs> it, it is a, it is an interesting theory. Um, you know, probably I'm never going to get to jump into another world, uh, but I'm also not going to be like, well, I can be bad because someone else. Right. right, right, right. I would like it more like, uh, I, Hey, you know what? If it was a different life, I would have played tennis. You know what? I'm going to try tennis for the first time. <laughs> That's a better use of many worlds for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the tennis playing version of you in the other worlds, like tennis skill starts degrading because you start to take the tennis skill away from that person. <laughs> Drawn from their energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't understand. I was professional. I was so good. <laughs> yeah, you're losing your touch, Brett. You have to put the paint on him anymore. <laughs> I mean, don't you haven't you picked up rollerblading recently? Yes. Yeah. Love it. I mean, that's, that's one, like, uh, did you just, you used to rollerblade or something and you just decided to start doing it again? Yeah. I did it all the time as a kid, like, uh, more than even riding my bike for some reason, like I would do it for miles and miles. Um, and then we would also go to like the bank and like try to jump over the landscaping there and then they'd chase us out Heck yeah! or like we would put a bunch <laughs> of wax all over Kroger's like uh uh curbs and shit and then they would try to kick us out Um, (laughs) but yeah so uh during like during like looking for outdoor activities i was like man i haven't rollerbladed in forever uh and i found a pair and it took a whole year until i got divorced and then i had a lot more time on my hand and i just started like skating all afternoon i love it that's great yeah we i used to do i used to do some aggressive skating too but then mostly roller hockey after that. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I never got in. We used to play it with just like our, our fucking aggressive skates. It was kind of silly, but, um, uh, I saw some guys doing it recently and I was like, man, I should sign up for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> get you, get you some, get you some badass, you know, uh, skates with some like ABEX seven bearings. So you can really just glide around like you're on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Eric, Eric might, you know, hate you after this because he's a skateboarder, so he didn't have any time for no, no fruit booters. Um, everybody, everybody's welcome. <laughs> I, I honestly, I gotta say, I believe in the superiority of skateboarding. It looks so much cooler and it's it so much harder. <laughs> I do rollerblading because it's easy as fuck. The things stay on your feet. Yeah, you don't have to like throw them in the air and then somehow land back on top of them. <laughs> Exactly. The, the throwing in the air is a very complicated part. I am not a good skateboarder at all. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I'm always like nervous to talk about my skating because I got my first skateboard when I was like six. So I've done it for like 25 years. And uh, I like I'm learning the most basic tricks because I just I, I enjoy riding around. Um, but like, yeah, I. And growing up like in North Texas um, was tough because there's zero skate parks around and, uh, you know, there's no funding for roads. Well, there's now a huge one in your old stomping grounds since uh, Jason Lee moved back to Denton and built a huge skate park for everybody. Oh, good. Good for him then. Uh, Yeah, there's (laughs) that's like, uh, oh, you love Denton? Yeah, it's a great city. It's really cool. One of my favorite places. 
Yeah, I, uh, I grew up there. So it was, but I mean, as you may remember, uh, the roads are jacked up. Like <laughs> you can't, can't roll anywhere. So whenever I moved uh, out to California and like started actually going to skate parks, I don't know. There's something about it where like in Texas, the skate scene, at least when I was a kid, everybody was competing against each other and everyone hated each other. <laughs> and out here, everyone is like so supportive, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's such a weird, like it's difference all, it's of all new agey out there, you know? The, yeah. The kids have gotten way nicer. No, we would like yeah. anybody else that skated was the F slur when we were there. Like it was a bad, it was mean. It was always people like just riled up to get in a fight because they got in a line, somebody else's line or shit. Mm -hmm. But now I know these days there's like, there's skate parks in like everywhere places that like used to would probably throw skaters in jail, maybe 20 years ago. Now they've got like in Worthington, like right on the bike trail, little fucking kids going out there, breaking their arms at a skate park, you know, or like you go razor scooter kids that just get in the fucking way. Or like the parents <laughs> that bring their six-year-olds and you're just like, there's like grown adults here, like flying through the air. There's there's a guy that goes to the skate park uh, near my house and he brings his kid in the stroller and he just runs around the park with the kid in the stroller <laughs> up the banks and everything. And everyone there that, is like... That tummy flip. <laughs> yeah. Everyone there is like, you know, cheering him on though. Because he, he's not like cutting anybody off. He knows the deal. Um but yeah, it's it's such a different scene. Yeah, I would be jealous of that kid too. I wish that's how I was raised. Uh, <laughs> for sure. I also I think um I agree with you. I like uh, I couldn't do like the ollies and all of that stuff, so I always felt like a poser. Um, but I have a longboard and I can ride that thing for hours. It's so fun to like bomb a hill or just like uh, get on the trail and just pedal. I love it. Yeah, I my. Uh my wife wanted to get into skating. And so we got her like a couple different boards, like a street deck and a longboard. And so I'll take her longboard out sometimes, but it is, it's such a different beast compared to like my skateboard. The last time I rode it, um, I like, because the wheelbase is so much wider and the board is cut like inside of the wheelbase, I rolled over my own foot and like rolled my ankle and scraped up all the like down my side literally like a hundred feet from my house like i was just (laughs) starting to roll and uh yeah so it's um but it's so enjoyable when you can get going because the board's so heavy too that it's just like it's like magic because you just roll forever yeah i i mean i yeah i love it uh i mean just even like the falling on the ground part is good like I yeah I back and knock the wind out of me a little bit and it's just like a good reminder and it's also fun to know like you still go that hard you know like you're still <laughs> you know it's simple i like it didn't get that hurt but it is way better than like sitting in the house and you know being like uh it's a good reminder that you're alive when you get hurt <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah and you know not to be all sciencey about it but like the uh the 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 way that the brain works is very similar in the in a quantum system when you're skateboarding like it's your your brain's predicting like 8 seconds ahead what's going to happen and all the eventualities like i could fall to the left i could fall to the right it could be just fine it's like thinking of you know hundreds of different simulations of what's about to happen so that right. when you know when you do feel that oh i lost my balance just a little bit you can just easily correct yourself and not fall like if if your was if your brain wasn't always operating in this thinking about the future probabilistic nature, like mm-hmm. quantum field theory suggests, you would not be able to catch yourself if you like lose your balance. You would not be having this like prediction moment of what's about to happen all the time. And that's that's like a, I mean, Josh is a musician, so. Um, I'm always like curious because I I never I couldn't play the recorder like at all as a kid. <laughs> um, so like hearing him talk about music too in the same sense, it's so weird because then you you do feel like you're part of the same system, 
Like no matter, that's kind of maybe the thing of like being present is just feeling you're part of the system that you're in Mm -hmm. instead of an observer. Because like music, you say you can just like, like feel what note should come next yeah uh, which doesn't make sense it's like it's like um i people talk about it in sports and other things too but that's that flow state where you're so aware of you're so in the moment that everything is just smooth like it's just happening without you even thinking about it like you're just nailing all the parts everyone you're playing with in the band is all nailing their parts too you're just perfectly together and that that is sort of that uh, accidental buddhism like moment where you're like oh man and then that's when you find yourself like weirdly like not even thinking about the song you're playing just like you you're like all of a sudden floating above yourself in the room like looking down on everyone and you're like wow we're doing a great job <laughs> but the moment that happens is the moment that the the flow stops because then you became aware of it and it's like oh shit now I'm f- looking at my hand again and <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, I I feel like, I mean, I think that's for me is a similar thing for comedy is that um, just making judgments very quickly uh, is what makes up most of it. Say, like knowing the phrasing, you know, where the commas, all of that, like how I'm going to respond to something when me and Brian are performing and I'm reacting, like it does feel like I'm just choosing the best option. Like it's not even, it's out of my hand. Sometimes I don't know like how I came up with it, but my brain is just ahead of me. Like this is going to make them laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's just quick judgment is what makes is the same way that like a good athlete is quick judgment on who's going to, who's going to, where they're going to jump or from what direction or yeah, where the next note's going to be played. If you're in a band, it all is uh, connected. Well, and, and it has to be like that because if we were relying on a passive conscious awareness of what we were doing, we would, uh-huh. we would have no timing. <laughs> like our brain is operating on a delay to the reality that we're existing in. Like we talked, right. we did like a baseball episode and we talked about how like the, the time dilation effects of if you were actually consciously aware of seeing the ball come out of the pitcher's hand and then deciding to swing like you would swing over a second after the catcher would catch the ball. Like you have to swing based upon your brain predicting everything and you are only consciously aware of it after you make contact. Like, right. so it's, it's really crazy when you start to break down simple things like that, that are, you, that are your subjective experience, but then you can start to really see, oh, wow, this is a non-conscious, non a a quantum level type of system that's going on that I'm experiencing because it couldn't work any other way. I mean, do you often get to uh, like the end of an episode or an end of a set or something and somebody comes up and is like asking you about something specific and you've just got no idea what they're talking about because you were just in that state of like flowing through your responses or reactions or whatever? Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, directly afterwards, I don't know. I don't get, it's not that intense for sure. I feel like I create, like they're mostly memorable moments. Uh, they stick with me, but for most of the podcast, a lot of the podcasting I do, I honestly don't remember it. Like if you ask me when I wake up in the morning, I will not remember exactly what was said at all. Yeah. Same, same with us and and we have and for, for some of ours we have to do tons of studying and reading so it's kind of really scary that i don't even remember what we talked about last week after i spent 15 hours preparing for it <laughs> like yeah, even this we, uh, we've done quantum mechanics quite a few times and read books and like i had to go back and be like i need to relearn all of the things that i thought that i knew about this stuff in order to talk about it <laughs> Yeah, I was having a crisis texting Josh yesterday because I was like, wait, did this experiment like prove this thing wrong? And he's like, no, no, <laughs> calm down. But I I typically like um, will also just add the notes to we've got like an open Google Drive. So I've got notes for each episode. And yeah, it's weird to go back through and not only see the topics we've done because I'm like, I don't. OK, I guess we. I mean, we covered like all three stages of the dinosaurs and then like the beginning of mammals and stuff. And I can't remember like what type of dinosaur existed at what <laughs> state. And that's like the whole point of studying dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's a strange kind of, I don't know. 
it, I'm not great at putting it into words because it's just so, you know, you, you focus on it and do it and then you move on to the next thing. But well, we, it is kind just, of cool to have those moments. Yeah. We've, we've offloaded those things that we used to require our brain to do through like memorization and, and, you know, really, really holding all that information in our head. Now we don't have to because we have all of our devices to hold that stuff for us. So we use our brain to do a lot of other things like worry about things that are out of our control. So we have anxiety and, <laughs> and depression. <laughs> yeah, our brains are a RAM and Google is our hard drive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for real, though, like I was for these two, I was listening to our old episode of or our two th- three episodes on like quantum mechanics and i was just like man dude, was i like smarter back then like none of this stuff how did i have a response to any of these things like i knew these people's names and everything and now i'm just i'm like lost in it um <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I i i used to think i used to be a better musician too <laughs> when i go back and like i can't even play any of those things anymore <laughs> That's good, though. I mean, I think that's a lot of maturing, too. I think that, like, at my worst, I was, like, 20 to 25, thought I pretty much had everything figured out and knew shit, and now I realize how fucking annoying I was, you know? Yes. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. The, the the great awakening of your 30s and, and realizing your body is breaking down re- really mortalizes you. <laughs> right. It makes it remembering every little name not as important. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's that is one point of uh, realization through this one too, because Josh just turned forty a few months ago, and I'm 31. So we uh, we have like such similar like grew up around the same area, but totally different like relationships with I don't know Texas and yeah. memory and everything like that. Yeah, Eric doesn't even remember Gulf War One, and and I was sitting there next to the TV, like charting out where all the battleships were in the Persian Gulf on a little map when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, uh, I don't know. You got anything else, Josh? No. Nope. You other... need a. You want to promote anything, Brett? Any 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 fun stuff that that you need to let people know about? Um, no, I mean, right now, um, we're kind of in a rebuilding period and trying to get back on track. Um, so yeah, just listen to Street Fight Radio if you don't, uh, give us a shot and, uh, add us on Twitch, actually, twitch.tv slash Street Fight Radio. Um, we're live two times a week and a bunch of people hang out in the chat and talk to each other. It's a fun time. So I recommend that. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Brett. It was a fun time. I'm, uh, we're, we're fans of Street Fight and chapo and all those all those boys so it's it's been an honor to to get to actually meet you in person it's been great yeah thanks i appreciate it thanks man peace